can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Now we have been talking a lot about celebrities starting beauty companies. We certainly have. I do want to say the one that I have the most respect for is actually Hailey Bieber. Yes. Same. Really great marketing. It looks like they're good products. Can't even get your hands on one of the lip treatments. It sells out so quickly. I haven't heard of any experts saying they hate it yet. She's marketed it very well to probably like a younger consumer that's like just starting out with like peptides. And like, I think she's done an amazing job. That's how you launch a celebrity Mm. skincare routine. Mm. However, someone else recently sold out of their new beauty their first beauty product that they ever, and you're not going to believe who it is. It's Elon Musk. <laughs> I did hear about this. I've just got a Vogue article up. So basically the fragrance he launched, it's called Burnt Hair, a perfume he describes as the essence of repugnant desire. It retails for $100 and it sold out in 48 hours. It also has singed underneath on the packaging. It does. It's got burnt hair and it's singed. the look up burnt hair, Elon Musk. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there's nothing worse than the smell of burnt hair when you're getting yourself lasered in the laser clinic and you can smell the burnt hair. Why would anyone want to smell like that? I think it's, is it like some sort of kitschy like... <laughs> It says here, I'm looking at some of the quotes on the website, just like leaning over a candle at the dinner table, but without all the hard work. What? What? (laughs) That is, that's, I don't understand that. Anyway, I'm on the website. There's not much here except that it's sold out. But when I was reading this, it actually, there's another fragrance. It's these perfumes that they peddle as a bad smell. There's a fragrance that's in this Vogue article, Etat Libre. D'Orange Secretions Magnifique. Okay. Secretions, Magnificent Secretions. Basically, I think that's, it says here, semen, saliva, and sweat. Isn't that the opposite of what we want a fragrance for? (laughs) It's like, yeah. So I don't quite understand where he's going with this. I mean, it just goes to show the power of influence and like social proof. Like he's just said, Mm. oh, I've got a fragrance. And everyone's like, oh, I'll buy that for $100. Do you think that's just a tax write-off for him? He's just trying to reduce his tax? No, because he sold out. He made like $2 million in 48 hours. Yeah, but then he can claim all the expenses (sighs) on that business. I feel like he's trying to be a bit comedic. It's meant to be like funny. Well, I would have thought so because the packaging's not very nice and burnt hair is not – everyone knows what burnt hair smells like. I wonder if there's any like burnt – Oh, no, because it's not out yet, so no one even knows what it smells like. Yeah, it doesn't come out. So people have pre-purchased it. It doesn't come out till Jan next year. Well, I can't wait to hear the reviews for that one. Yeah, me too, <laughs> me too. Anyway, it's every week I reckon we're going to be having a new one of these. I think we might. <laughs> I think it's going to be somewhat more – it's going to become more and more random. Like the people are just yes. going to become more random. Should we buy Ozzy Osbourne's eyeshadow palette? Oh, I haven't even seen <laughs> it. What's it look like? I think it's just like extra colours. 
I think everyone needs to stop now. There's enough beauty products, I feel, in the world that we don't need Elon Musk's fragrance. I would agree with that, yeah. Oh, yep. he's got some nice shimmers. Yeah. <laughs> Aussie Metal Flake Eyeshadow Kit. They look nice. And I love that the eyeshadow palette comes in a coffin. It's coffin-shaped palette. Yes. Nice. On brand. Very gothic. So, Hannah, what's on today's episode? So, on today's episode, we are chatting about STIs for our cringy convo. Then we are talking about should your eye color determine what eyeshadow color you use and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. So today we have a very special guest joining us who's been hounding me to get on the podcast since he joined the team. That's right. <laughs> Gerard Richardson from our team joins us. Welcome, G. Hi, everyone. You and I were having a chat the other day and the topic of STIs came up and you're quite prim and proper most of the time. And you were like, oh, I'll come on the podcast to talk about it. And I thought you were joking. And then you're like, no, I'm serious. I'll definitely come and talk about it. So, Am I quite prim and proper? Is that the vibe I give off? Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, definitely. good to know. Good to know. Yeah, very polished, you know, wouldn't say boo. So I'm very surprised that you put your hand up to come and have a chat for a cringy convo, but I'm very glad you're here. So let's start with your first brush with an STI. Can you talk us through <laughs> <laughs> what that was like? I think we need to take it a step back and be like, why I'm quite keen to talk yeah, about go it, for which it. is we've got to talk about this stuff. We do. People are terrible. They don't talk about like sexual health. It's absolutely terrible. And we need to make it more open, more of an everyday conversation. So we know what we're dealing with. So that's why I'm like, right, let's talk about it. Couldn't <laughs> agree more with you. Yeah. My first brush with an STI was actually a few years ago. (laughs) This is not my first time at the rodeo. (laughs) But when I was coming back from Melbourne, I remember being like, hmm, things don't feel right. (laughs) And so I went along to the doctor in New Zealand and it wasn't my usual doctor and said what my symptoms were. And I had a terrible experience, like a really judgmental experience, Mm. which was in complete contrast to the experience I had more recently when I went to, not even my proper doctor over here, but just a doctor within the doctors that I go to, where it was so every day, it was unreal. It was Mm. such a contradictory experience. And it taught me so much about, how having the right doctor is so key. Mm. So, yes, so most recently, a few weeks ago, may have had gonorrhea and chlamydia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It happens. (laughs) Got the two and the one go. And if you talk to a lot of gay men, they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, got the two at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you mentioned that you went in to get tested for an STI. What does that actually involve? Well, I think as a gay man, I'm so used to being tested every three months because I'm on prep and that's taking a pill every day. So I get my bloods done, my urine done, and I anally swab myself every three months. PrEP is a medication that you take every single day to prevent HIV forming. And it's become so effective. And because so many gay people are on it, or people of the LGBTQI plus community are on it, that from what I know, HIV is now more prevalent in heterosexuals than in homosexuals. Wow. We're so disciplined. We take it. It's a really powerful medication, good medication. Yeah, and really supporting the community, which is good. That's why it should be government funded and it's not. It's very expensive. Is everyone that responsible in the gay community, do you think? 
To get PrEP, you have to. Okay. So getting tested is totally normal. You mentioned that you got tested recently and it came back positive for an STI. Uh, two STIs, sorry. Two, yeah, let's be real. I came back for two. <laughs> so what's the recovery period like and when can you return to sexual activity? And does that kind of depend on which STI you have? Yeah, 100%. And what's interesting is the doctor that I went to, so I couldn't go and see my proper doctor. The doctor that I went to was not a specialist in this area. She knew about it from like an everyday general practice point of view, but she didn't know it in and out. And so she was giving me quite a conservative view. (laughs) I was basically going to be a nun for like two months, (laughs) which was quite funny. And based on where the STI actually is in your body, that's the other thing you got to think about. You could have it in your mouth, you could have it on your genitals, you could have it around your ass, you could have it in multiple places. It can impact the treatment time, it can impact what the symptoms are, mm. it all varies. And so the short answer is that for gonorrhea, you have an injection in your ass, that's that treatment done and you recover over about seven days and that's that. For chlamydia, you need to go on doxycycline, which is an antibiotic, Mm -hmm. and you do that for a week, and then you wait two weeks, post that, and then you go get retested. When I hear you talking about it, you know that there's always been a stigma when you were growing up. The treatment is effective. And do you know what I mean? Like, it's just interesting that there's always been such a stigma. And when I hear you talk about it, it's just like, okay. I think people go to the nth degree. So everyone always thinks of when they think STIs and STDs, they think herpes or, mm. you know, something that is more there with you for life, you know. And and I know that I'm talking quite humorous about these, but some of them are quite serious. We need to be real about that. Some of them are with you for life. But fortunately, a lot of them, you can get rid of them. And I think, to your point, that stigma isn't justified. It's not right. It's back when sex was wrong before marriage mm. and, and all of those different things were born out of a, a generation that didn't actually understand. Mm. Well, I wonder if it will start to evolve a little bit in the way that self-pleasure has evolved over the last couple of years in like talking about that a little bit more openly. Maybe we will see it become more commonplace over the next couple of years. But you mentioned you had a really negative experience with a doctor in New Zealand, Mm. but you said to me that you found a great doctor in Melbourne. How important do you think it is to have a doctor to talk about your sexual health with? It is so, like, I can't actually emphasize it enough. I researched Mm. my doctor when I moved over and I really went for one who specialized in LGBTQI plus health. That's actually like what they do and specifically men's health. I wanted both of those options. And the first time I met my doctor, I asked her to give me a prostate exam. It's a really good introduction. It's a really great introduction. (laughs) But you know, your doctor is one of actually the most sort of intimate relationships you can have. And you need a doctor who is keeping up with their own education and knowing what's going on, is comfortable with you to talk about these things themselves And one that you're actually happy to take your clothes off in front of and say, hi, I've got something at the end of my penis that I need you to look at. Mm. That's actually what you need. But I think a lot of people would have had negative experiences with doctors as well. Just in general, you know, every day I know that a lot of women have negative experiences around their 
health being a topic they can't really talk to doctors about because they're gaslighted and things like that around their health. And I guess it would be the same for other communities too. Yeah. And my doctor's female. You don't have to have a male doctor if you're a male. Like my doctor is phenomenal. I can't recommend her enough. Amazing. Now we did speak a little bit about the shame and the embarrassments often associated with STIs. What would you say to someone that's in this position now, say they've got chlamydia, they need to tell someone or they don't really want to talk about it with their friends. What message would you give to them if they're feeling all of these feelings of embarrassment and guilt and shame and all of that stuff that comes along with it. Put the Google down. That Mm -hmm. is number one. (laughs) Stop Googling because you're always going to see the most extreme version on Mm. Google. Good tip. Yeah, you're never going to see the normal every day. And go to your doctor. Like, just go to your doctor and say, hey, I think I've got this. Can you help me out? Especially if it's something like chlamydia Mm -hmm. or gonorrhea, which is fixable. It's treatable. And then you'll be out there again in in a few weeks' time. We also did touch on telling a sexual partner that you've got an STI. What is the standard protocol for you? You have to tell them. Like, it's your responsibility. And when you go to the doctor, it's part of their kind of course of treatment. They're like, who do you also now need to tell? Mm -hmm. And quite often, well, not always, the doctor will actually ask you if you're happy to go on some form of national register because they track certain types of STI Uh, transmission to see if it's increasing. That's how they have the stats, right? Mm -hmm. So you definitely need to tell everyone who you've slept with between the time you find out and the last test. You just have to. Is that a text message? Oh, I got told through WhatsApp. (laughs) I'm not sitting here saying I was like, oh yeah, okay, shit happens. I phoned the health line. I was Googling. I was doing all of that stuff. Uh, And then it was in hindsight, I was like, oh, it's actually okay. And if I'd gone to my proper doctor, if I'd been able to get into my proper doctor, it would have been easy as, and it would have been a much better process. There is that messaging service you can use. I think there's a Victorian government. I can't remember what it's called. There's a Victorian government text message service that you can go onto and like put their number in and it just sends a text message to them. Wow. So that it doesn't have to come from you. When I was researching this topic, I found out about this thing. So if you are in that position and you don't want to have that conversation or maybe you don't have a relationship with that person anymore and you don't want to talk to them, you could send an anonymous text as well. You certainly could, mm. whereas I'd be telling you, man up and yeah. go and tell them. <laughs> you know, you've obviously known them enough to take your clothes off with them. So you can tell them that this is what's happened and this is what's part of making it an everyday conversation yeah. is just actually being really comfortable to talk about mm. it. And I've talked about it quite a bit in the last few weeks. Is there anything you think we're missing from our conversation today? Like what have we not covered off, if anything? Be researched. Like I can't emphasize this enough. I've become a little bit of an encyclopedia for my friends and talking to them about sexual health, like all sorts of things. I don't actually think we do enough research into sex and how to actually look after yourself. Like when I look back at high school and my sexual health, I mean, I don't even remember it. Like, it just was nothing. It was done by the PE teacher for some reason. Mm. (laughs) My advice is is actually go to your doctor, ask questions, ask for the correct websites to read about it, Mm. and feel really informed with the decisions that you're making around your own sexual health. That's great advice. 
Thanks, G. Thank you. Oh, good. Awesome. Pleasure having you. We'll have to have you on for something else. Maybe non-STI related. Maybe beauty related. <laughs> we'll see what the ratings are like, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very uh, Adore Beauty staff heavy episode. We just had G on before you, Megs. And now you're back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you're back to chat makeup. Yeah. Today we're talking about eye colours and eyeshadows and how different eyeshadows can complement different eye colours, essentially. I've got brown eyes. Yeah. Hannah, you've got like greeny hazel eyes. Yep. So oranges and pinks look really nice on you. Purple, I was told, looks good. Purple. Oh, purple. Brings out the green. I was told purple looks good on brown eyes. Well, if you've got a little bit of green, I think it brings the green out. Well, I can pretty much wear anything, can't I? Yeah, I would say brown eyes is literally, like you can wear anything that you want, especially, Joe. yours are pretty dark brown. Black, like my soul. (laughs) (laughs) You can wear anything you want. This whole topic, I'm kind of like, Yeah. Do what you want. Like it's really personal preference, but there's definitely shades that you can choose that are going to make your eyes pop or shades that you can choose that are just going to kind of like create a harmonious look with your natural eye color. So with that in mind, I know there's no rules when it comes to makeup, but if you're talking about Mm. color theory, what are the basic rules for choosing an eyeshadow color that's going to complement your eye color so you can kind of go down two routes so you can either go down if you think of the color wheel you can either go with the shades that sit either side of your natural eye color Mm -hmm. and like we said earlier they will just create like a nice harmonious look your eyes will still look really nice but it's not necessarily going to like contrast Mm -hmm. against an opposing color so then your second option is you can choose they actually call them complementary colors which doesn't make sense to me I want to call it a contrasting color Mm. but you can basically just choose the color that is exactly opposite your natural eye color on the color wheel. So for Hannah, like she said before, with the green eyes, she would be going for those purpley type of hues and that'll make your natural eye color pop. So for someone that has like blue or greeny eyes, you could go for like those orangey copper golds, those sort of tones, and that'll contrast against your normal eye color and then that'll make them pop. You know who I would look up on Instagram as a really good example of eyes popping hannah english yes Mm. miss hannah e Mm -hmm. on instagram always does amazing eyeshadow looks and it just her eyes are so blue and they always look amazing with different eyeshadow colors i always look at that and go i'm gonna try and do that myself and then i never do (laughs) (laughs) never do if you have like a gray you know those eyes that are like almost gray like they're so blue that they're almost gray i would say like a smoky brown or even like charcoal just a smoky Mm. eye makes that eye colour really pop Mm. rather than like an actual coloured tone. So are there eyeshadows that would work for any eye colour? Like is there a classic colour that anyone can wear? Yeah, I would say there's actually a MAC shade that's called like soft brown. I'm pretty sure. And Mm -hmm. that would go with anyone. It's pretty neutral undertone. So it's not super cool. It's not super warm. And it's basically just like a nice little bronzy shade that would work with anyone. Mm -hmm. With saying that, like some people go off their skin tone. So if you have, I guess, like a warmer skin tone or you have a cooler skin tone, you can kind of choose, let's just say a brown, but then you choose either a cool brown or a warm brown, depending on your undertone. Okay. So it's probably a good idea to have a palette that has a variety of shades and then you can adjust what you do instead of having the single pots and buying like per shade. I mean, it depends because have you ever had like an eyeshadow palette and then you've literally just thrashed like three shades in there and then the rest aren't even used? All the time. Yeah. Every palette I have. Every, oh, no, just one. 
Yeah, just one shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I should have just yeah. bought the pot in that shade. Just the light brown colour, everything else yeah. is full. Yeah, and untouched and almost getting <laughs> yep. a bit crusty because it's like stuff yes. on there. Yeah. So that's when, like, I mean, if you're the type of person that doesn't really use that many eyeshadows or you just, you're traveling or you want like a ride or die shade, I would definitely find like your individual go-to transition shade and just buy it in a little pot. Good tip. Now this might be a bit of a silly question, but I want to ask about textures. So eyeshadows come in different textures. We've got matte, we've got shimmer, we've got gel, we've got like liquid. Can they complement your eyes as well? Like it could be eye shape or eye color. Oh, yes. I wouldn't necessarily say they can enhance like your eyes, but I would definitely say if you have a hooded eye or a super, super oily eyelid and you're using Mm. something like a gel or a cream eyeshadow, that might interfere with longevity for you personally. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't really think the finish matters in terms of like your actual eyes. You need to make sure that it's tying in with your overall makeup look. So if you've got like this super glossy eye, you just want to make sure that you're kind of counteracting that with the rest of your skin. Mm -hmm. Sorry, another answer to Hannah's question before about is there a universal shade that would suit everyone? Mm, Your bronzer. So true. Whatever your go-to bronzer shade is, that is your perfect. So does the same apply for shades of eyeliner or mascara? Not that I would ever wear a coloured mascara. I mean, I did wear coloured mascara when I was like 15, but I just don't think I'm going back to that now. Okay, br- yeah. brown mascara. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk to mascaras first. So let's just say even if you have more of like a really pale skin tone, if you wanted to use a brown mascara because that's just a little bit softer on your face or, you know, it kind of complements your features better, you could definitely do that. There's even like mahogany kind of shaded mascaras, which look really nice with anyone with like copper sort of hair. So you could definitely go for that. If you wanted a pop of colour but you didn't want to commit to the full-on eyeshadow, I think coloured eyeliner is a really nice way to bring that into your look. So, for instance, if you had blue eyes and you wanted to do like a nice gold liner and the rest of your eyeshadow was really, really minimal, I think that would look really nice. Well, my mum swears by she's got really blue eyes and she swears by blue liner doesn't do blue shadow she did in the 80s but yeah she wears instead now a bit more modern she wears blue yes. not that I have anything against blue eyeshadow but it is pretty 80s come on yeah it is no yeah. it is so she does like the makeup forever aqua resist so she does that either in like a green or a blue and honestly her blue eyes like it does make them pop is it that nice navy color no, it's like blue. It's blue, the blue. The color of her eyes. <laughs> My mum does the exact same. She has like greeny, hazily eyes, but she does the exact same thing and it absolutely will make them pop because instead of going for like a contrasting shade, you're just kind of enhancing what's already there. So you're just complementing what you've already got going on. I actually did that on a mother of the bride because she had like this like greeny sort of dress on. She was like, oh, can we do some green and blue eyeshadow? I said, how about we do a nice little liner instead? <laughs> And she loved it. We just did like nice, like, you know, bronzy eyeshadow. And then we did like a green little winged liner and she loved it. And it looked so nice. Now, I know we've probably spoken about this before, but the best way to prep your lids for eyeshadow. I think we've had this conversation many times. Totally. Yeah. I would just say a super mattifying concealer is the best way. There's a lot of like I guess like differing opinions online out there, but I would just say a super mattifying concealer. Some people like, no, you shouldn't because it can get really thick and cakey. Just use your discretion, just a little bit on a brush. 
buff it out nicely so that you have a nice even application, go in with some setting powder straight away and then go in with your eyeshadows. What if I told you I don't do that? What, do you just use your foundation? <laughs> no, I just use, well, yes, I use my foundation and then put yeah. groundwork over the top. Oh, yeah, you can do that. You can absolutely do that as well. I also have the little, like, peachy-coloured paint pot too because I feel like it counteracts the veininess yeah. in my eyes and then I put my shadow over the top. Yeah, you can do that. I think it's painterly, the shade. Yes, painterly. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is painterly. So that yeah. went, oh, when was it? Maybe, like, 2015, 16 on YouTube. That was, like, you couldn't do an eye look without using painterly. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I personally prefer to just use a concealer, but if you're using painterly, it's pretty much made for that use. So if you want to do that, go for it. And we did touch on eyeshadow palettes, and I'm assuming a lot of people listening end up with like, you know, full mm-hmm. eyeshadow palettes with one shade so. missing. So how would you actually choose the right eyeshadow palette with the right colours and textures? Yeah, totally. I would always opt for – so first you need to work out what sort of shades you like. So do you like warm tones? Do you like cool tones? Do you like shimmer? Do you like matte? But I would always pick a palette that has both matte and shimmer shades in it. You need your matte shade so that you can work in through the transition and just have like a nice base and then you do – It's nice to have some shimmer options as well if you ever just want to work that onto the lid. Yeah, I guess step one, work out what undertones you like, warm or cool. Number two, make sure that there's matte and shimmer shades. And then number three, just go for your actual colours and your tones that you like. So do you like silvers? Do you like golds? Do you like purples? The world is your oyster. Just Mm. go through the rainbow. (laughs) They're the main things. But I think it's, I mean, I don't know if it, no, surely it's not just me. Surely people would have a few shadow palettes Because even if you see a palette and you see one shade that you love and you're like, I'm going to buy it. So then you end up with a few different. So even if you had like a cool toned, a warm toned, and then like a going out palette or something like that, that would work as well. Yeah. And you can get smaller ones. You don't have to get like a 26 pan palette. You can get like a four pan palette. That's true. (laughs) Even the Huda Beauty, those little bricks at the moment. Yeah, There's like nine shades, I think. And MAC have those too, the little nine shade ones. Or even Makeup Forever, you can build your own in the little three. Yeah, They're really good. That's actually a really good idea, building your own. Or yeah, Mm. just individual pots, even if you wanted. All right. Thanks, Megs. Appreciate your time today. Anytime. Catches. Products we didn't know we needed. I recently got my product in a little masterclass gift bag thingy. You know how when we do the loyalty masterclasses, you get the little goodie bag. So I got the Who is Elijah Nightcap fragrance. It's a little tiny vial I got in this goodie bag. And to be honest with you, I haven't smelt that many of Who is Elijah's perfumes. They all sell really well. So I feel like I need to get onto it a little bit more. But this one is the Who is Elijah Nightcap. The top review on this product page is... God only knows what secret ingredients are in this EDP, but the only word that does it any justice is intoxicating. Mm, Sold. So that's exactly what I look for, obviously, in a fragrance. And can I also just say the price point of Who is Elijah Fragrances is actually really reasonable. This is $179 for a 100 Mm. mil EDP. So that's really, really reasonable, I would say. I think it's also, it sells really well. Yeah, because it's not overly priced. So- It's a woody, leathery, and earthy scent for all genders with notes of pear, sandalwood, cedar, and vetiver. Mm. So obviously that's right up our alley. That just screams hot man scent to me. It does. It is very gender neutral, I'd say. The leather. Yeah, I think anyone could wear this. 
the head notes are pear, cardamom, violet leaf, and the base notes are blonde cedar, sandalwood, and Madagascan vetiver. So couldn't tell you what any of those smell like individually, but I know that it creates this really woody scent. I know leather is always beautiful in fragrance and like classic hot man yes. smell. So if you're looking for a fragrance like that, I definitely think that fits the bill. So that's my product. What's yours today, Hannah? So I've probably, I mean, I've spoken about these products, but I did want to call out to being freelancer Joe okay. talking about holiday. You didn't even tell me to talk. Great. <laughs> I'm obviously not being a good full-timer. I haven't spoken about Christmas at all. <laughs> you didn't even tell me to talk about Christmas. No. But I here I am doing it out of my goodness own Goodness of back. your heart. Yep, <laughs> yep, goodness of my heart. So Kerastars, they do every year. Adore has like a lot of really great hair care bundles. But I'm going to talk about Kerastars today because it's like my favorite hair care brand. So basically you get like three products in their holiday sets and you save about like on average it looks like you're saving about 45 to 50 dollars which is a lot so like instead of spending 160 on three products it's like 108 I don't even know like I'm not even suggesting buying this as a gift I'm just suggesting it like top up on like yeah top it up for yourself or like you're looking to try Kerastase and you're like oh like it's the price point's a little bit too high this is a really good way to like test it out I would go for so if you have frizzy hair 100% Kerastase the discipline range so it looks like you you get like shampoo conditioner and also it looks like a treatment product I would 100% if you've got any frizz any dryness like honestly one of my favorite ranges from Kerastase what color is the packaging for that orange the other one that I would recommend is there's two others that I really like the resist resistance which is like more about keeping like hair really healthy so that like if you're trying to grow it out Mm. that also looks like it comes with a shampoo conditioner and treatment product love that one too if you're trying to grow your hair and of course they've also got the curl manifesto I've just like I obviously just love all their products, but the Curl Manifesto, if you've got curly hair, I actually use this in Thailand. So if you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen like my natural curls with thanks to Kerastas Curl Manifesto. It's got like a shampoo conditioner, but also got a curl cream and that curl cream I love and it's amazing. So go and check it out. I'm really surprised they haven't made you an ambassador yet. Oh my God. I know. Hello. <laughs> Kerastas, if you're listening. <laughs> Hannah's available for ambassadorship. I just started using their Genesis shampoo for hair fall. They also have a Genesis holiday pack. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got a sample. I've just started using because literally half my hair has fallen out. Aww. It's actually distressing. Like I know that you said that you were really worried after your hair started falling out when, when you had COVID. COVID. And this is like a similar thing as we've spoken about in previous episodes with our trichologist coming off the pill it can be a contributor to temporary hair loss. Yeah. And I legitimately have lost, I reckon, 50% of my hair density. Like my hair is very fine, but I used to have a lot of it. And I genuinely think I've lost half of it. I've got all these baby hairs at the top. So I'm hoping it's starting to grow back because I went off the pill in February. It's now November. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that I'm on the tail end of it falling out and that I don't lose any more of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking I need to start a hair thinning protocol so that I can get back on top of it. Thinking we should do an episode where I go and see Kate. Yeah. And then she can tell me what I need to be using. Yeah. I just don't want to have to put 
it on my scalp every day because my hair is so fine. It would just be like an oily, greasy mess. You can take <laughs> like medication, like oral medication. I can't take tablets, How are You know that about okay. me. Okay. <laughs> Right. They're always huge. I can take powders. So if anyone has taken a powder supplement for hair growth yeah. and it has worked, please DM me on Instagram. Yeah. I'm very open to hearing about it because I am going to get back on my Beauty Chef Glow, which has an ingredient in it that escapes me right now, but it's good for hair growth and nail growth and etc. So I'm going to get back on that because I've been a bit slack with my smoothies. They do. Doesn't Apothecary have supplements? A good question. Yeah, they've got their main event. Oh, they've got hair food. Oh, that might be an option. It's a vegan protein powder, however, so you'd have to give it a go. I love that we're just doing some shopping while we're recording. <laughs> uh, One month on supply. It. Interesting. Okay, well, I might have to try that. Rich in antioxidants, formulated by nutritionists and trichologists. That's the apothecary hair food. All right, we'll see how I go. I'll keep you guys updated on my hair growth journey. Okay. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.